the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Hello, Liam Flint here and welcome to the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Now, if you're tuning in for the first time, we're all about African rugby as we get to know the faces behind one of the continent's fastest growing sports. Now, on today's podcast, I'm joined by a man who's in Japan, Willie Britz, the South African flanker who will be known to fans of Super Rugby around the world. Willie, thanks so much for your time. We've made the eight-hour difference time-wise work just about. How are things going your side of the world? Hey, Liam. Thanks for having me. It's really a privilege to, to, to be able to talk to you guys. And um, no, it's, it's nice and sunshine in Japan at the moment, so a bit of a breeze, but I'm um, living life and it's you know, just great to, great to be here. That's what we like. What's the temperature like at the minute? Quite humid or is it cooling down? Yeah, it's actually getting more humid at the moment. We're coming out of winter now, so um, it's, it's getting a bit tough. Uh, <laughs> normally around July-ish, it's, it's really, really humid. Um, and that's actually like in the middle of our season. So it's going to be a good good challenge this year, playing footy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet South Africa would be a welcome relief right now, wouldn't it, in terms of heat? Yeah, definitely. It's it's a nice. It's actually just quite the opposite in South Africa at the moment. Um, getting into uh, winter now, so I've spoke to a lot of my mates back home and um, early mornings on the farms and stuff like that is it's getting quite chilly. It's so tough. yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite good. <laughs> yeah, mate, you're definitely winning there at life. That's for sure. Um, Willie, just, <laughs> yeah, I've already said it's great to have you with us. It would be great to chat all things rugby. Um, I know you've had some changes in the last year or so. We also like to get to know what makes you tick. What are your interests? What do you do away from rugby as well? And clearly, you've already mentioned it. I know you've been out in Japan now for a while, so lots to catch up on there. And we'd also chat to you about Japan, the people of Japan, and how they feel about hosting the Rugby World Cup later this year. So you could say this podcast is a bit of a Japan special. But Willie, just for people who maybe haven't been following you through Super Rugby and most recently with the Sunwolves, where did your love for rugby actually come from? Um, my first rugby memory is um, playing rugby in our backyard in, in a small town in Pumalanga, playing in the backyard with my dad. So he actually introduced me to the game. I think I was about four or five years old. And um, yeah, ever since that, I, I just I think I more enjoyed it because my dad enjoyed it. And for me, it was just a, a great time spending time with my dad. And um, yeah, then I think from rugby from there on, it just grew on me. And mom and dad never pressured me into doing any sport um, and, and they always gave me the, the, the freedom to to try everything you know like all different kinds of sports culture whatever and um, I think I'm, I'm to this day very grateful for that like they never pressured me into one sport or one specific thing and um, through the years um, just playing rugby just I think the love of it grew more out of it you know like mm. um, especially in South Africa as well rugby is quite a big thing Um but for me, for me, never growing up, I never thought I'd be a professional rugby player. You know? Like um, I always wanted to be a veterinarian. And, um, Very different. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah. Then I actually saw how much that study to become one. So I, I took the shortcut and just did animal sciences and um, <laughs> agriculture economics. Still quite in the animal line, but not saving the allows anymore. So <laughs> that, yeah, that is certainly but, a big um, change. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, because my dad had a. He owned the farm, so I think that that's where the love for the farm grew as well. So do you think without your, especially yeah. your dad's influence in rugby, do you reckon you wouldn't have found rugby to the pro level that you have now? Do you think that was very much because you got introduced to it so young? I don't think I'd say that, um, because in South Africa, it's rugby is a massive deal. Pretty much every school in South Africa um, has rugby as one of its 
um, sports that the, the children can play. So I think eventually down the line I would have played it. And um, but I think I'm just like like I said, I'm grateful for my dad because he loved the sport so much. And it was a, a little breakaway every day. I could go outside in the yard and play with my dad and just kick the ball around or pass it or whatever. Uh, I think that's where I pretty much the love for rugby grew. You said it already, South Africa, rugby mad as a nation. And of course, you spent a good amount of time there on home soil with the Lions a few years back. You've had some spells with the Cheetahs. So the question is, why would you move to Japan of all places to play your rugby? Talk us through that one. Yeah, I think it's. it's I think it was a great opportunity for me. Like the opportunity came around. Um, my agent asked me, like, listen, would I be interested? And I'm like, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the places I would never thought I'd, I'd see myself is Japan. You know, I think yeah. people's got this whole misperception of Japan. Um, but it's an amazing country. You know, like the people, they're really, really awesome people. Culture is amazing. Everything works. Everything's on time. Everything's clean. You know, everything's safe. <laughs> So, um, and that's also another thing where my dad came in, like, he just told me, like, listen, if, if a good opportunity for your rugby to grow, um, why not, you know, you're young, um, I'm single, um, so why not go, go give it a go, you know, mm. um, and, uh, for me, taking it back a bit, a couple of years before that, um, me and a couple of my mates went from church one night. And we wanted to um, just pray for people to be um, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, as we prayed for them, um, they all just suddenly turned around and started praying for me. And um, God gave me the same vision he gave me a couple of years before that. When I gave my heart to Jesus, um, he gave me a vision that I would be known before people. And they would know me before my rugby. But I would preach the gospel to them. So getting a dream like that was definitely out of the extraordinary. And um, that night when we prayed for our mates and they prayed for me, um, God gave me that same dream again. And he almost like um, made my whole throat dry. And he said like, there's the same drought I'm feeling in my, my throat at the moment. That drought um, is in people's lives. And through my rugby, I would be able to show them that Jesus is the living water. And if you drink from him, you'll never thirst again. And that was also the same time I wasn't even playing uh, professional footy. I was just playing for university, played a little bit provincial under 21 level. And um, yeah, so I think after that dream, like I almost <laughs> uh, in my rugby career, in the final year of university, because even though I had the dream, um, I didn't make it in rugby, you know, like um, I just didn't get my breakthrough. I was playing, um, I feel the best rugby of my life at that time. And I just didn't get a contract with the seniors. So um, that year I was, I was going to get my degree and I told my dad, listen, yeah, I'm just going to finish off this year playing local rugby there at the Griffins um, and um, at the university and then I'll get a degree and I'll start working. Because I, th- I feel like because I had that dream, um, rugby became too big in my life mm. and I almost made that, uh, I almost started worshipping rugby instead of worshipping God for it, you know. Yeah, I think that's just when I made that decision, like, listen, yeah, rugby's not my be-all and end-all. Um, God is still first in my life, and I'm willing to give it up and pursue a normal career. Um, literally, I think it was a month and a half or two months after I got my degree, I got a phone call from the Lions, um, and they asked if I want to come for a trial run. And, yeah, the rest is history, you know. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how, how it all started. Yeah, man, that's that's really powerful. So safe to say then you being in japan you see that more than just i'm here to play a bit of rugby you seem like you've 
you see a bigger picture there's a purpose for you being there yes definitely definitely i think um this has, has really been a a platform that god created for me um being in japan for the last four years playing for the sunwolves the last um two years um has really just broadened the horizon of, of people you meet and um people you can really just talk to about, about jesus or just about life you know um I've met so many people the last couple of years that don't even believe in anything, you know, mm. and um, easy to talk to. I always said it's easy to talk to school kids or, or um, university students because they look up to you and you're a professional rugby player. Um, you're well known and all that. So sure. it's easier to get the message across to them. But now speaking to guys who's World Cup winners or earning all the money in the world and everything's going his way, like why does he need Jesus, you know? So for me, um, I've met people that I can just like relate to and just tell them, you know, like, this is why I need Jesus in my life, you know, even though everything's going my way as well. Um, I still need Jesus because without Jesus, um, there's got to be nothing and everything is just empty. So, um, yeah, I can definitely see God's hand in, in, in my career in Japan um, at the moment, even though I can't always talk to language. But the way you express yourself on the field, off the field, um, with the people, just the love you can have for people without even speaking to them. Um, I think that's really, really a powerful thing. So living in a country like Japan, where I think it's less than 1% of the population would say they're Christian. Yeah. Does that make it a challenging environment in terms of talking to teammates, finding a church, sharing your story? Or do you just embrace that and that's the reason you're there because it is tough? Yeah, I must say it's 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 really really been difficult the last couple of years. because um, you're so used to speaking about faith every every week with your mates and um, going on coffee dates and and just just spending time with people and and talking about Jesus, you know. And now you come to Japan, um, where there's pretty much one or two people you know playing rugby that also love Jesus, and and that's it, you know. Um, so we were fortunate enough to find a church in in Tokyo. Where the uh, pastor's from Australia, so he mo- moved over here a couple of years ago, and um, so he preaches in English, and they translate on um, to Japanese on the stage. So that was actually a, a, a good one for us, just to be be able to get into that t- community and and be able to go there every couple of Sundays when you when you're not traveling or playing games. And um, but yeah, I must say it's it's been a real challenge. Um, it definitely has its ups and ups and downs. You know, I'm I'm not gonna say. Life's always been just sunshine and roses, you know. Um, because I'll be lying. Being a Christian is that no one ever promised you you just sunshine and roses, you know. Mm. Um, you would pro- definitely said there will be tough times, but the good thing is like you you won't walk alone. Um, you never walk alone, you know. Like God's always there with you, and He always puts people around you to support you and help you through through difficult times. So for me, um, just being able to look at scenarios differently and look at people differently um for me main focus instead of just trying to preach to everyone it's just now just loving people you know and um because i believe like jesus of love will, will talk so, such a bigger bigger story than, than my words can my broken japanese can talk you know so um <laughs> i really believe there, there, there will come a, a time that i can share to someone about it and yeah and jesus will just take over there so yeah, it's, it's definitely been challenging. I'm not going to lie. Um, Japan is challenging for me, especially for me, like being on my own. Mm. Um, I, I lost my dad two years ago when I was in Japan. And uh, 
my mom is on her own at the moment in South Africa. My sister is working in America at the moment with her husband. So um, we all spread out over the world. You know, um, that makes it also makes it a bit uh, more difficult. Sundays you just want to pack up and go home because you miss your your family. You know, in the same breath, I, I, I won't be able to do that because I, I really know like God put me here for a reason, and um, I still enjoy it. You know, I, I love rugby. I love playing rugby. I love of meeting new people seeing the world um i'm such i'm such a privileged position um just to be able to do that and um yeah i'm I'm just very very grateful for that and willie you making the call to set up shot in japan was that linked at all to your aspirations for the national team for Springboks? did you come to a point where you thought do you know what this door might be closed so now's the time for me to go (laughs) live my life or was that was it that nothing to do with it? It was just purely you fancied a challenge. Yeah, I think um, I came to a point where in South Africa, they, oh, yeah, I just felt like I didn't stand a chance for the Springboks. You know, like even though I feel like I, I played really well, and and um, I just the Springbok coaches at that time just I wasn't in their plans and just wasn't the type of player they looked at. Um, I definitely feel <laughs> if you, if you look back now, you could have maybe had a chance somewhere. Uh, with all the things that happened in South Africa, but um, I'm I'm not how do you say um, I'm not sad about it any 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 type of way you know like um, I came to Japan and actually some of the Japanese coaches that's how I started playing for the Sunwolves you know like they came to me and um, said like oh, I'm maybe in the World Cup plans you know like if I'm eligible to play for Japan and um, that door opened up for me like maybe representing a, a different country in the World Cup you know so. Um, so I think like just that all those little um, scenarios and and opportunities, anything that God puts in front of your door for um, when you're just being obedient, you know, you're just being willing and, and put yourself out there so He can use you. He'll always open up another door for you, you know. Like um, you just got to be faithful and then know like God's way will always be better than your own way. Um, you can plan all your future to the way you want to, but God's at the end of the day He's gonna determine how you walk it. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really really been an interesting journey. Yeah, and let's touch on that. What you just said there, the possibility of representing Japan. I think I think I'm right in saying, in terms of family line, you haven't got any anything to qualify you other than playing long enough in the country. Am I right? Is that the way you go? Just spend enough time there, and you can qualify. Yes, yes. It's actually, you just um, the rule changed uh, two years ago that you got, you got to be in the country for five years or more be able to uh, represent a country in a World Cup, or internationally actually. Um, IRB changed that rule. But we were still in before, we we came to Japan before that rule changed, so we only three years. And by the end of July, I will be, I would have been in Japan for three years. So I'll be eligible before the World Cup. Is that now a big focus for you? And it would still be walking out for Japan, you think would be pretty special to you compared to walking out, you know, five years ago for the Springboks. That's, this is a big deal for you. Yes, I would say. I think representing a national team is, is a massive honour. You know, you represent the whole nation. So I think it will be uh, tremendously special, especially for spending the last four years in Japan, the people you've met, um, just experiencing the country, the culture. Um, it will be a massive honour to represent it, you know, like and and represented with the game I love you know the, well, my passion and my sport so um yeah I'm, I must say it will definitely be 
be a great thing for me to be able to to accomplish that. So did you say you qualify this summer? Yes. So when the Rugby World Cup comes around in Japan, you're technically qualified to play for Japan? Yes, that's true. So you could play at the Rugby World Cup this year for Japan? Yes, that's a possibility. (laughs) Obviously, you must be thinking... I've got a decent chance there. Would that be, you reckon that would be the pinnacle, that would definitely be the highlight of everything that you've done already in your career? Yeah, I must say, I think that will definitely be a highlight um, playing international rugby. The closest I've come was, was playing against the All Blacks on, on Twickenham full of like 74,000 people. So um, that would be the closest I've, I've got to international rugby. Um, so yeah, I must say like representing a national team, playing international in the World Cup, I think a World Cup is definitely one of the biggest attractions in, in world rugby. So um, being able to represent a national side there is, is just amazing and definitely a highlight of career. I've even spoken to some of my to play for Namibia, you know, like it's not the, the best well-known country, but still they play a World Cup and um, everyone gets treated the same in the World Cup. So um, mm. I think that experience is, is just it's un, unheard of, you know, like you can't really explain it to someone that hasn't experienced it yet. The management for Japan know that are they basically just waiting for you so and talks have already begun or are you going to have to work really hard and try and break in last minute? Yeah, it's, it's, I have been talking a bit previously um, but yeah, um, I did something wrong down the line because um, the coach isn't really the biggest fan of me at the moment. Oh, right. Um, hence why I'm not playing for, for some of um, this year. Uh, yeah, I was captain on the side last year and the show didn't even get a contract offer. So um, the odds are definitely against me not making the side. But um, I just see it as another opportunity for, for great testimony. You know, like um, I still feel in my heart it, it's something can happen and um, God can make something happen for me if he wants me to play in the World Cup and, and have that testimony, it'll, it'll happen. If not, there's definitely something else coming up. So um, either way, I'm really just uh, easy. I've got that rest um, in my heart. Well, definitely a big year for sure. And Willie, you being on the ground in Japan just before they're hosting a World Cup, how much do you sense that this means to the people of Japan? You know, rugby's not massive in Japan, but it is growing. Are people excited? Do you think this is going to be a, a big deal for Japan? Yeah, I think because we, we're part of the, the, the rugby side in Japan, like all the, the towns we stay in and the teams that play for Japan, like we, we're a bit more, we see the people a bit more that, that knows about rugby so, and they they loving it. I must say they're really enjoying it and the hype is just growing bigger and bigger. There's posters all over this, um, some of the towns um, where some of the teams are going to stay. Um, for example, our our city um i think the all blacks and australia and south africa will, will use our facilities to train them so the people around here just walking through the station every day there's posters of say kieran reed or victor matfield um all up there so uh, the people are really getting more and more into it um talks of, of of the world cup all the fans after every game like to ask you about the world cup and and how it's going to be i think it's got, really going to be challenging um for, for a lot of the Japanese towns, that's not really, how can I say, like uh, used to the, the world standard of, of things. Yeah. Um, they're also very Japanese and very cultural. So I think that'll be a little bit of a culture shock for them getting all those 
people from different different worlds um, in into Japan and into those small towns. Yeah. But um, I think everyone that that will come to Japan is just a massive expectation of of this amazing country and having a great time um, experiencing just the culture, you know. So um, yeah, I think it's really growing. Uh, the awareness is really growing all the way um, closer to the World Cup. Um, like I said, everywhere close to all the the stadiums and the cities where the, the teams are going to be. Um, there's massive posters everywhere and countdowns and, and all those type of stuff. So um, even like on the news, uh, we can see in the trains, we've got these little news stations that pop up and um, they, uh, you see a little countdown there, on there sometime and a little bit of a highlight of the Sunwolves playing or Japan playing. And so they're definitely putting it out there a bit more. So do you realistically think that Japan can defy the odds, get out of their group, you know, home advantage, the country behind them, do you expect a few upsets at the hands of Japan or is it going to be tough? Definitely. Say if, if they pick all the players that's available to represent the country. Um, Including you. It's definitely, definitely an option. <laughs> yeah. I must say there's, there's really, <laughs> uh, there's really um, great players that's, that's playing for Japan at the moment and um, players that also can represent the country. Um, you got guys like Peter Lovaskogne from South Africa, played for the Bulls and Cheetos. Um, Grant Hatter also played for the Bulls. Vimpy um, van der Waals already playing for them. Um, and the backline players are, are really skillful and quick and, and strong. And so, um, yeah, in the World Cup, everyone knows the World Cup. You know, it's, it's always an upset somewhere. And, and um, look at Japan beating South Africa in the previous World Cup. So, um, exactly, they definitely have grown. As a team and as players, there's a lot of players that played in that World Cup that's playing again. Um, so that experience counts for them. And they don't have the most difficult pool to get out of there. Definitely not easy, but, but um, it's possible. Yeah. And people won't like me saying it, but obviously the World Cup does come and go. People can't imagine there not being a World Cup this year once it's finished. So for you, Willie, once that's done and dusted, regardless of what happens with selection and all of that stuff... What does the future hold for you? Obviously, you've touched on the fact that you're not with Sunwolves at the minute. I know you're playing in the top league, Shining Arc, so you are playing club rugby. Do you have any major ambitions? Do you think there's any big career move you'd like to make? Or at the minute, is it just, I'm just going to carry on what I'm doing here. I'm pretty much set here in Japan. How do you see it? My body is keeping keeping up with the game. So um, um, I'm turning 31 this year, getting a bit on the older side. I feel I can at least play another four or five years in Japan. And um, I want to definitely go and apply for my passport to be able to stay longer in Japan. Um, maybe take on coaching, try and improve the sport and, and the game around here, especially with kids. So that can uh, maybe be an option for me. Um, going back home, I'll definitely also want to go back home at, at a stage. Um, like I said, my dad was a farmer. I really love farming and animals, so that's a, that's a massive passion for me to be able to do something like that, and even getting to um, maybe sports industry um, back mm. in South Africa or uh, commentating on rugby games or, or something like that will definitely be something for me. Like I've, I've always enjoyed that. When I go home to South Africa, I always um, catch up with, with friends that um, do super sport shows or, or something like that. You know, like. Um, so yeah I've always enjoyed stuff like that so you never know hopefully some, some door will open there if it, if, it, if it has to okay Willie before we let you go we like to finish with a bit of a game um, so I'm calling this okay. one it's a bit of a Japan special 
a quick fire round. Okay. So every question I'm about <laughs> to ask are all based around your experience of living in Japan. Okay. Oh, snap. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, who's the best rugby okay. player you've played against whilst you've been in Japan? Go on. Uh, Michael Leach. Why? Um, I think he's just an all-rounder player. He's like he's strong, he's fast, he's he's really uh, agile. Um, yeah, he's he's really been around the block. Uh, yeah, just just an amazing player. Best Japanese movie or film that you've watched? Ooh, I haven't watched one. <laughs> I thought you might say that. I didn't know how immersed you'd yeah. uh, let yourself. Fair enough. Yeah, I can't understand the language. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, what's the best meal or your favourite meal that you can get in Japan? Yakiniku. Okay, for people who haven't been to Japan, describe <laughs> describe that dish to us. <laughs> Yakiniku is, is um, you sit around the table. And there's a hot, not a hot plate. It's more like a, a grill. Yeah. And with coals underneath, and they bring you your, your slices of meat and chicken and whatever you want to order, and you barbecue your own own meat. Oh. So I think it's the closest thing you can come to a braai. Yeah. Of South Africa. It's like so self-service braai. Yeah. Yeah. Self-service braai. Amazing. Okay. What's the best Japanese sport that you've seen in Japan that you wouldn't get elsewhere? Park golf. It's a combination of golf and hockey. <laughs> so you Where'd play you play that? Stick. It's a, um, all over the cities, you know, like there's little parks everywhere you can you can actually go and play it. Um, it's great fun. Uh, it's a like I said, you play similar size as a hockey ball, a little bit lighter, and the, the golf club is uh, also looks a bit more like a hockey club with a massive driver head. And the furthest you'll probably hit the ball is 100 meters, and you'll get up to like 40 meters is the closest. And then you play your part threes or fours, and yeah, it's wow. a very, very fun game. They, they say it's mostly for old people, so you see all <laughs> the old Japanese people playing it, and then all the foreigners. Okay, Willie, to finish, what's the best thing about being a South African living in Japan? What are some of the perks? Being able to speak Afrikaans. And no one understands you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm picturing you at a train station. Someone speaking to you in Japanese and you just barking back in Afrikaans. That'll go down well. Yeah. Yeah, I think just like bringing some of our culture as well. South African culture. Um, some of the boys actually make biltong and drivels in, in Japan. And um, being able to give that to the boys to, to taste. You know? And um, when we went over with the songs to South Africa, um, that's some of the stuff we, we we could give to them that experience we took some of the trip um to go feed lions you know like they were in the back of a bucky wow. and um lions charged the bucky and they had the best time of their lives <laughs> um <laughs> some of the boys probably wet their pants or something but um, they, they couldn't thank us in the opportunity and like and we're in the Will you experience something like that other than africa you know so well, exactly um, yeah i think just bringing that culture to them it's one of the best things, yeah. How is uh, your handle of Japanese at the minute? Are you getting by? Yeah, I must. I can really. I can. I can help myself out. Um, speaking, speaking, writing. Um, we go for lessons once a week. Um, but now the challenge is just to like get your vocabulary, um, growing a bit yeah. more. You know, like you can understand what they're saying and talking about, but then if you don't know the words they're using, you you a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. On the back seat. So, um, but yeah, you can you can help yourself out with all the normal stuff during the day. Willie, that's a great insight. Thanks so much for being with us today. That is it. 
Thanks for having me. It's really been an awesome time. The Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Okay, that's us for this week's podcast. A massive thanks again to Willie Brits. You can find us on social media with the handle PS Rugby Podcast. And if you'd like to join our WhatsApp message list, just drop us a message on plus four four double seven zero seven double seven six seven nine zero. That's plus four four double seven zero seven double seven six. 790 with your name and where you are in the world and this will then mean we can send you each week's podcast straight to your phone do join us for our next podcast where again we'll be getting to know one of africa's best in the world of rugby and of course if you'd like to listen again you can go straight to itunes spotify or visit our website which is planetsport.tv and whilst you're there you'll also find our two other shows planet sport which is for the all-round sports fan and Planet Sport Football Africa. Do go and check those out. But until next time, I'm Liam Flint, and you've been listening to the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast, which is a Passion for Sport production.